Welcome to Kids and Their Dog, a Scooby-Doo movie review and recap podcast. I'm your Hanna-Barbera talking animal, Cassidy, and my pronouns are she and they. I'm Lava, they, them. And we have a special guest for their first ever appearance. Please introduce yourself as you'd like to be introduced. Hi, everyone. My name is Christina, uh, and I am a library of Hanna-Barbera sound effects. My pronouns are she and her. So actually, I have one of those. Back in like our first year, <laughs> Lava did send me dollars to buy buy a yeah. library of Hanna-Barbera so, stock cartoon sound effects. Funny thing is, actually, at my parents' house, we did have like a three or four CD set that was just various theme songs from Hanna-Barbera properties, but also a whole bunch of the sound effects. Nice. Oh, wow. If 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 you two would be interested, I can see about uh, ripping MP3s when I'm next at my parents' house and I could send them to you, because... <laughs> I would be very interested. That's fascinating. <laughs> There's some good stuff. It's got, you know, like, all, like, the... <laughs> kind of stuff going on, too. <laughs> mm, and also good. the theme songs, which is good. Nice. Hey, I looked it up, and you are our first brand new and not returning guest in over a year. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Well, thank you. <laughs> just, just barely over a year, but over a year. Heck yeah, I'll take it. It's great. You're trying to trying to squeeze in some people here right at the end before we end the show forever. <laughs> or at least, you know, for every six months or so. Yeah, yeah. Depending on the uh, rate at which they produce further Scooby-Doo movies. Mm-hmm. Which might be just one a year, depending. Hey, you know what? I'm okay with whatever rate they put Scooby-Doo movies out, as long as it's a rate that's healthy to everyone involved in the production. Exactly. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I imagine they have, like, teams that, like, cycle, like, you know, like how um, video game companies these days have teams where there's an A team and a B team, A team's working on these games. Mm-hmm. So that way they can do a cycle like that. Okay, okay. I wonder. I wonder. I don't actually know anything about the Scooby-Doo movie production process. I will say, um, not to, you know, uh, disparage the quality of Scooby-Doo movies that we've experienced, but I can see an A team and a B team happening because considering the variety and quality of the Scooby-Doo movies that we have watched. (laughs) Well, they they change writers and directors pretty often because I I read them off at the top of every episode. Very Mm -hmm. true. Um, I will like say. Last, oh, oh, I was going to say it will. I will say that judging by uh, the end credits for this movie, it did look like. I'm assuming they had there. I'm assuming that there is some studio that they're working with outside of the U.S. Um, I'm guessing probably in Korea because it seems like that's where a lot of animation is happening nowadays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's likely. Mm-hmm. Um. But also, like, speaking just, like, from a directorial or writing perspective, mm-hmm. like, last month's episode was written and directed by Maxwell Adams, who has not worked on any other Scooby-Doo movie, as far as I know. Huh. <laughs> That's interesting. I wonder how they select that kind of thing. Hmm. I wonder, I wonder if it's, like, a pitching process. I don't, I Maybe. really don't know. It might be, considering, like, the stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, for this one, I could, I could envision <laughs> that this movie was, if not... If not written, at least pitched by the two celebrity voice actors involved in this, or the two celebrity non Hanna Barbera stable voice actors in this feature. Oh uh, well, there there is more than two of them. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> um, let's see. 
I think that's pretty... Oh, I gotta ask you our guest questions, and by that I mean I have to try to remember them off the top of my head. Yeah, go for it. Um, okay. I'll start with a, start with an easy one. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite flavor of slushy? Um, honestly, favorite flavor of slushy is probably, like... I like strawberry lemonade. Ooh. A good one. Um, alright. What is your favorite Scooby-Doo media? Um, I have a lot of affection for the, uh, for the, I don't, I couldn't tell you what years it's from, but, like, the original Scooby-Doo Where Are You uh, TV series, the one that would have aired before 2004, um, and because growing up, I watched a lot of cartoons, and that included a lot of the Scooby-Doo movies, um, and also, like, cartoons, like, the show and stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you're talking about the original, original ones, that's like late '60s, early '70s. Yeah, I'm. I'm guessing that's the one that I'm referring to. I, like I said, I grew up watching them, and I haven't gone back to try to like track them down. But I did mm-hmm. really enjoy them growing up. <laughs> yeah, most Scooby Doo. Like, if you're thinking of anything before what's new Scooby Doo, most of it came out from like the '80s or earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, even a pup named Scooby Doo came out. I think like even before the '90s. Yeah, yeah. And then there was like a ten-year period when nothing happened, mm-hmm. and then they made Return to Zo- or Re- Original Zombie Island, not Return to Zombie. <laughs> Thank Island. God they yeah. didn't make Return to Zombie Island first, because that would have been a disaster. <laughs> we wouldn't have a Scooby Doo franchise at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also, it might have uh, been better. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, which member of the Scooby-Doo, uh, you know, roster do, would you say you relate to the most? Um, in tropes a lot of the time, probably Velma, because I am also a glasses-wearing brunette who is usually the more analytical and intelligent one when it comes to situations like this. But I can also relate to Scooby because I also love food. And I feel like I should disclose that I did dress up as Velma one year for Halloween in elementary school. Awesome. I had a box of Scooby Snacks and everything. Oh, I love that. Um, And I I think this is the last question. I can't remember any other ones. Yeah, Um, it's your podcast, your rules. Yeah, but it was like I had like a whole list that I had been using for the past three and a half years. And I just, I don't know where it went. Um, (laughs) So what are are your favorite, what's your favorite pizza topping combination? Mmm. I think my favorite pizza topping combination is I like to do spinach and mm. either green bell peppers or banana peppers and onion. And mm. if it's available, I love Provel cheese. Ooh. It's like it is the <laughs> it's it's an extremely Midwestern cheese and that they just kind of took a whole bunch of other cheeses and Put them all through a whatever machine that you use to make processed cheese, and it you can you but you can buy little ropes of Provel cheese, but it's very good on pizza because it it gets really nice and melty, you know. Ooh, mm, okay, mm-hmm. interesting. I've never heard of that before. I think it's very regional to the Midwest. Mm. <laughs> like one time, my grandma was trying to fly some with her on a plane, and. <laughs> the 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 people who were doing the security were like, "Excuse me, ma'am, what is this?" And she's like, "It's cheese." <laughs> <laughs> but why is it wrapped in plastic wrap? Because it's cheese and it's very delicate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, cheese and plastic wrap is like just means that it's good quality cheese most of the time. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It just is coming like little noodle ropes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's very tasty. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah, so that's it for uh, our our questions that we're going to ask you. And we're going to get to listener questions in a second. Yeah. Um, but first, this bottle is starting to sweat on my desk. Yes. So I need to, I need to do the bit. Uh, the bit is Welcome to Kids and Their Dew, a podcast <laughs> about opening and drinking Mountain Dew or whatever we said. Grip <laughs> um, it and rip it, baby. <laughs> so I have here the seasonal flavor of the season. Pumpkin spice Mountain Dew. Oh, that is a that is a smell. No, worse. Oh no. Um, this is a bottle. This is a twenty ounce bottle of Mountain Dew gingerbread snap. Oh god, Dew it's even worse than I thought. You were right, Lala. Artificial gingerbread flavor. <laughs> yep, artificial gingerbread flavor. It's just it's ginger and cinnamon. <laughs> yep, maybe nutmeg. Um, surprisingly. It has less sugar than some of the other seasonal flavors. Um, that's um, amazing. As opposed to, you know, like, I think Major Melon or something like that had like 149% of mm-hmm. your daily recommended value. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, this is only got 145% of your daily recommended <laughs> value. Christina, please remember, this is Mountain Dew we're talking about. It's, it's also always, a 20-ounce bottle. It's always 100% or more, unless it's specifically no sugar added. Cassidy, I hope that you are going to be drinking that very delicately as a connoisseur takes gentle sips from their glass of wine. Because oh, I always do. <laughs> um, don't tell, so don't smell, tell your future dentist about this. <laughs> the smell of this is fascinating. Oh, God. Because, like... What's the bouquet? It smells mostly of, like, a gingerbread candle, which is, like, very cloyingly ah. sweet and honestly a little bad. Mm-hmm. But on the back end of it, you can still smell it, like... Like citrusy tang, <laughs> and I am just absolutely fascinated by the smell. I mean, citrus gingerbread in and of itself can be good. Like I think last year I made some of my cousin's gingerbread that has like an orange zest icing, and it turned out really good. But I'm concerned about the Mountain Dew. <laughs> All right, I need to stop sniffing this and actually taste it. Godspeed. Well, how'd it taste? Well, it tastes better than Major Melon. Oh, that's good. Good. That's not hard, It isn't hard. I don't like Major Melon at all. No. Um, I think it might actually taste good, is the the disturbing part. Huh. Interesting. I wish you hadn't said that because now I have to buy it to taste it myself. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it it definitely tastes like gingerbread, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's not like an an aggressive gingerbread flavor like a lot of their fake flavors are. It's like a very mellow mm-hmm. gingerbread. Interesting. Huh. That's good to know. Like, you know, a little bit like you don't like taste any citrus but you can feel the citrus. Mm-hmm. You know? You can feel the acid. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So the story behind me getting this bottle is I was at Publix, the you know, the Florida yes. almost almost entirely Florida regionally specific grocery chain. No, that gets further north. It's further north. It goes a little. It goes a little bit further north, but not much. I think there's some in Tennessee, actually, or like Kentucky. Hmm. Um, but I, I went there and they only had the uh, the twelve pack can thing. Oh yeah. Oh And no. I was like, well, I, they have it here, but I'm not. I am not going to buy twelve cans of a seasonal soda that I probably won't enjoy. Yeah. Um. So I went into the Seven Eleven instead. <laughs> <laughs> they had it, luckily. Or unluckily, but apparently luckily. 
Yeah. I'm... I think... It's one of those things, it tastes kind of like a zero sugar soda in a way. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, which is... I like the zero sugar variants of all of the sodas that I drink. I don't drink them often, but if I do, I'll grab a zero sugar thing. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. sometimes or, they're just you know, too cloyingly sweet. Or yeah. like something that's not like zero sugar, but is very low sugar, like the the kickstarts. Yeah, the kickstarts the in particular kickstarts are pretty are good. good. But this is uh, you don't you don't taste all the sugar that's in it. I'm a, I'll give that one a good rating. I don't good. know if we had a rating system. Did but- we? I think we all, the joke was that we were just comparing it to random things. Maybe. I don't remember anymore. It was an April Fool's joke. We don't have to worry about it. It was an April <laughs> Fool's do- joke that has become very in- ingrained in our friendship. That is, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> we awful. are stuck in this hell. It's awful. I will go into the soda section and I'll look for new things from Mountain Dew. I don't okay. even drink soda that much. <laughs> I still haven't tried the Applebee's specific Mountain Dew. I need to oh, I need to get on that. <laughs> there is an Applebee's specific Mountain Dew flavor. A proprietary blend. Yeah. Yeah, it's um God, what was it called? Let me just Google Applebee's Mountain Dew. <laughs> Mountain Dew Darkberry Bash. Yeah. So like we're talking about like a blueberry, blackberry kind of a thing? Um, it's a blue raspberry blackberry. Huh. Um, and according to the to the Applebee's website, um, taste the intergalactic refreshments. What? In the depths of of the yeah, in the depths and darkness of space, a dark energy has been unleashed. <laughs> with a blinding flash, intergalactic berry flavors collide with Mountain Dew trademark into an explosion of sweetness and refreshment. What sci-fi movie promotion is this left over from? I don't know, but the lo- this logo is so cool that I would want it in a bottle. <laughs> huh. I'm going to post it here. Share this with the- with you. Huh. Yeah. It does I've threatened to cool. like just drive to an Applebee's. I do like the little like, the little space surfer guy. Yeah. Yeah, the little space surfer is really cool. And, like, the logo treatment for the flavor is better than a lot of the other ones they've done. Huh. Why, why, didn't, why couldn't we have gotten this instead of Major Melon? Major Melon should have been the, yeah. the Applebee's exclusive flavor. Yeah. It was bad. <laughs> Applebee's just, like, just pitch some, pitch some vodka in with the, maple, with, the, with the Major Melon and it'll be fine. <laughs> I don't think I could handle that still. Me either, yeah. honestly. Uh, anyways, that's been me drinking a Mountain Dew into a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, we have a bunch of listener questions here. Yeah. Uh, so I hope you're prepared to, to be for the ri- be along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, we, we have our first questions here from Charlie at magical underscore pride. First question, she asks, what would be the best meal to cook for a ghost? There's a Scooby-Doo pie. has given us the answer. <laughs> Booberry pie. Oh, Booberry pie is good. Bees, do you have an answer? No, but I know that there's a pun that's like, there's going to be a lot of puns. I just didn't uh, read the questions ahead of time, so I just didn't realize that was there. Otherwise, Me I spent like five hours <laughs> trying to think of one. Uh, well, my answer here is an answer from the f- the first direct-to-DVD live-action prequel. Oh, yeah? Uh, when that chef comes out of the microwave and says, chicken cordon boo. Oh, that's Oh, funny. that's good. A joke that will not escape my brain. <laughs> Also, See, I knew there was a pun. Also, was ghost pepper chili. 
There you go. That's yeah. a good one. I don't cook often enough to to know what would be uh, a good twist on a name for a ghost meal. A, a death by chocolate sundae. Ooh. Nice, nice. I think we've hit the major ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, what is your favorite cooking show? You Suck at Cooking on YouTube. It's a good one. I haven't watched a lot of their most recent stuff, but... Yeah, some some good ones back in back in the old catalog. Yeah, mm-hmm. they they've kept a pr- pretty decent like catalog cat- catalog oh, of nice. the that good joke, the good good joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christina, do you have a favorite? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna be basic and say Great British Bake Off. Um, but I've I heard also good things about it. I really enjoy it. I'm more so a fan of the earlier seasons, um, because the. The original hosts, Mel and Sue, had a very good uh, chemistry as co-hosts, mm-hmm. and uh, and just it, it's it's good to have a cooking show where they encourage people. Yeah, um, but I also enjoy um, watching a lot of YouTube videos about cooking, and mm-hmm. also you can't go wrong with a good diners, drive-ins, and dives marathon for forty-eight hours straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my, my answer is actually a variant on that. I like a good guys' grocery games. Oh, nice. <laughs> Just, you know, I haven't watched a lot of it, but, you know, I, if it's on, I'll watch it. It's mm-hmm. a good time. Mm-hmm. Guy Freddy is just a good chef. Yeah. A chill dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you two hear that apparently he's offering, he offered to cater Kristen Stewart's wedding? <laughs> I did not. Interesting. Hear that. Um, actually, I grew up watching a lot of Food Network. Um, oh, with my nice. Father. Um, so I am actually very familiar with, like, Giada. I watched a lot of, uh, like, Everyday Italian, or whatever her show was. Yes. Um, back in the day, a lot of 30-minute meals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some, some good eats. With all oh, brown. no, wait. I take it back. Guy Fieri did not offer to cater. He offered to officiate Kristen Stewart's wedding. <laughs> oh, that's even better. <laughs> He's a delightful man. He is. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, next question from Charlie here. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is a tough one. Um, I also, when I put out the call for questions, I included questions about OCs and Glee <laughs> because you know my stable of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, which of your OCs is the best chef? Hmm. I'm gonna go with an OC that I haven't talked about in any medium because uh, her game is currently on hiatus. But in one of the Wander Home campaigns that I have been involved in, um, I have an OC who is uh, Larkspur. She is a skunk and she is also a chef. Mm. Yeah. Did some really good stuff with, I think it was like cooking with seafood and oranges one time. Ooh. Oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Love a good, good citrusy seafood dish. Yeah. What about you two? Either of you have an OC that's a chef? <laughs> I have an answer, and I have told Charlie this answer. Um, ah. He is not a chef, but I do think he's a good cook. Mm-hmm. And that OC of mine would be Scam Likely, who has appeared on the Apex City podcast. Uh, yes. <laughs> the legendary Scam Likely. Love that guy. Very powerful name. <laughs> I learned recently that there is another podcast out there that does also have a character named Scam Likely. Um, and I know this because me and like a lot of people who run in my circles were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to do some stuff with Scam Likely? And someone else that was in the call that's not, I guess, familiar with the stuff that I've done was like, oh, wait. Yeah, I love that. I'm like, 
No, no, I'm t- we're talking about my OC, not, <laughs> <laughs> not a different show. Sorry. I don't know them. I don't. I still don't. I don't even remember which podcast it was. Yeah. But I, I established in a, in a private message with Charlie that I think Scam likely is good at cooking and is like is like really into doing French cuisine. Oh, nice. Bees, you got anything? I do not. I don't have an answer. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um. All right. I was wrong. There is one more Charlie question. I just thought it was just the one because they were on the same line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, last question from Charlie is, and what would the Glee Club make if they had to make a single dish together? Um... I don't know much about the Glee Club because I've only watched the one episode. Yeah. If... Uh, but my answer is probably a mess. Yes. <laughs> if it was something that, like... If the stipulation is that everybody in the Glee Club has to be involved in the cooking. So that means we're talking 12 students and a supervising faculty member. <laughs> um, Naturally. I am going to say, um, I'm going to say a good family dinner of spaghetti and meatballs with salad and garlic bread. Okay. How burned is the garlic bread? Um, it definitely caught in the oven, but it's definitely yeah. still edible. Okay, good, good. That's, that's always a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's very Some, easy Someone was fighting over how long and how toasty the garlic bread needed to be, and then they're like, oh no, it's burning! <laughs> yeah. Very classic TV kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was going to say pot brownies because that is something that has been cooked in Glee, but that was only one character's work, and we need to have something communal. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next up, we have a question from Crest at Fantasy Crest on Twitter. Could Shaggy and Scooby feasibly run a restaurant of their own? No. I, I want to say, in theory, yes, but they would try and they would eat everything. That is why I said no. <laughs> yeah. I No, I think they could. We've seen them run like a concession stand without eating everything. You know what? Actually, I, I detract my statement. Yes, because I hated Shaggy and Scooby in this film. And I don't agree <laughs> with the characterization in this particular film. Yeah. This Shaggy and Scooby would fail at owning a restaurant. But any other Shaggy and Scooby would be fine at owning a restaurant. You, you know, you do have a point there, Bees, because I feel like in other characterizations that I've seen of, that I have seen of Shaggy and Scooby, like they do enjoy cooking, and they mm-hmm. are competent at it to a certain extent. It's just yeah. in in this episode, they needed to be the they needed to be the bad foils to yeah. uh, to the title chef. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they've. The, I yeah the I wanted to say I feel like they've done restaurant stuff before but I might be thinking of specifically when they were dealing with the the vendor stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which granted they were actually like eating stuff in the vendor uh section but it was like more of a <laughs> s- slow joke thing after they were finished not a this yeah, is the entire people ordered thing. a burger they made a burger for them and then they were like all right yeah we got these other ingredients here we're just gonna whip up something for ourselves real quick yeah. Mm-hmm. A little for you, a little for me. <laughs> so it's like yeah. they would just have to factor in the added cost of, you know, a little bit of uh, side dishes. Mm-hmm. Chef but tasting. Totally possible. <laughs> tasting portions. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. But the tasting portion is a whole entire other hamburger. Your point is? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 
Alright, and we have a, a, a bevy of questions here from Tanner on the Okie Doke at Sparky Upstart. <laughs> uh, first question. Based on the one episode of Glee you've seen, what happens in the series finale? I guess is the question specifically for me. I, I mean, it's it probably should be for you and Bees because I've seen... I haven't seen the season finale or the series finale, but I know enough that I can speculate, so I'm going to keep out of this. <laughs> Lava, how many episodes of Glee have you seen? Uh, literally just song clips. Oh, okay. So, uh, my guess, my guess, it's a prom-related thing, um, and there's, like, a huge fight about who's gonna be prom king and prom queen. (laughs) I think that the Glee Club is going to, like, it's going to end with the destruction of the concept of the Glee Club at the school. Ooh. I think at the at the end of the season or end of the series, singing will be banned. It's going to become a reverse <laughs> footloose situation. Are we close? I don't think either of you are completely wrong. Although bees, I think that your prediction comes true a lot earlier than the series finale. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, I knew because I know it's high school related, and you gotta have a prom mm-hmm. thing in high school related media. You gotta. Yeah. Alright, uh, next question is, who out of Mink, uh, Mink, I'm guessing being a shortened term of Mystery Inc., has a Sonic OC? Is it good? Oh, that's a good question. Who would have a Sonic OC out of this cast? Um, Um, Fred? My gut instinct was actually going to say Daphne. I was going to say Shaggy, because he is a gamer. He is a gamer. Daphne in a healthy way, Shaggy in an unhealthy way? I feel like, I feel like Shaggy's OC is just Sonic the Hedgehog, but green. <laughs> yes, and his favorite food is everything, not just chili dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I want a chili. You know, dog. Whereas Daphne, I think, is going like down like the full OC rabbit hole of like, all right, yeah, no, these are like you know, fashionista kind of stuff. Different outfits that I think she would wear, yeah. or like this is the backstory that I've written, that kind of thing. Nice. So Daphne would play uh, the Sonic, um, oh god, not the Generations one, but the one where they're having to lead a rebel uh, rebel uprising against Eggman. Yes, yeah, Sonic Forces. Yes. She would have a Sonic Forces OC. Yes, because Sonic Forces rules, and I'm, I'm going to stand by that statement. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, we have three of the same question, but with different context. Are you ready? Yes. Can yes. you beat Bobby Flay? Parentheses, cooking. Close parentheses. Probably not. No. So here's the thing about Beat Bobby Flay. Is that it's a show predicated on him trying to do better than you in your hometown. With people that you know as judges. Oh, in that case then, yes. Like, it is like a blind thing where they like, you know, don't tell you which one you're eating. But like... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Bobby Flay, try to beat... You try to make gooey butter cake. It's like, yeah, I'm sure Bobby Flay could like really go in and get like nice ingredients or whatever for like, mm-hmm. I don't know, a baked ziti or something, but it's not yeah. going to be the same, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like the tremendous advantage that I have here with with theoretically trying to beat Bobby Flay in my hometown is that my hometown is apparently the Bermuda Triangle of culinary arts <laughs> because so many of the so many of the foods that are known 
in and around St. Louis, where I grew up, are are just seen as like like atrocities against nature and food by everyone outside of St. Louis. But it's like, yeah, heck yeah, gooey butter, absolutely, go for it. That's like funny bread sliced bagels, you got it. <laughs> Provel cheese, also got it. <laughs> cracker crust pizza, absolutely. What kind of cracker? Like just like a like a saltine style or like No, it's the the way that it's made is it's a crust with very little uh yeast in it, so it's a very unleavened crust. Mm. But that mean what that means then is that like like the crust like it holds up like with the toppings and stuff, but it also then means that you can eat an entire pizza in one sitting because the crust is so thin that it doesn't like fill you up. Mm. Oh, like a Pizza Hut thin crust. Even thinner. Wow. The concept is the same. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I actually haven't made St. Louis style pizza crust. I should try to make that. <laughs> All right. Next question is, yes. can you beat Bobby Flay? Parentheses videos game. Close parenthesis. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no question about that. I was really hoping that Tanner would ask, can you beat Bobby Flay in a fist fight? <laughs> oh, guess well, what? You do have one more question here. <laughs> Can you beat Bobby Flay? Parentheses, fisticuffs, close parentheses. Oh my god, Tanner. I can certainly try. I will. Uh, yeah, I will. I will destroy this man. Huff oh. Bobby Flay. Oh, that was great. <laughs> All right. Uh, this last question from Tanner has three parts to it. Um, has Fred ever done any of the following? First one. Added some raw flour for an extra oomph in the thickness. I don't think so. I feel like raw flour you have to be out of your way to get a hold of. Yes. I, I don't I think if Fred has raw flour, it is not for cooking, it is for traps. Yes. Yes. Cuz like the thing about flour is that a lot of the times like the flour that you would buy like all-purpose flour, like you shouldn't eat it by itself, but like you can use it to, you know, like like dust a pizza peel or you know, like, use when you're rolling out your bread dough and stuff. Like, it's... You shouldn't eat it raw, but it is fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, next part. Forgotten the wontons. <gasps> the wontons! Is that where that's from? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh! Do you know how many memes I know that I just don't know? Mm-hmm. I don't know this one. The wontons, <gasps> the wontons is from... It's apparently... A, I think it's from uh, Chopped, the baking competition show. Mm-hmm. And I think the context is that a competitor was having to cook with wontons and then almost forgot to include them in the dish. And then I think it was, was it Duff Gordon or someone who, like, like <gasps> the wontons? It, it was someone. I, I don't know. <laughs> Not really. All right, uh, and the last part of the segment is Ben an idiot sandwich. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Uh, next question is from Theodore Monk loves interstitial and it's good work. Hey, Theodore. Four whole moons. Four, like the number whole, not half. Moons, like moons. <laughs> yeah. What are the odds that Guy Fieri ends up in one of these movies before too long? Extremely likely. I hope so. I I think it's not going to be in one of the movies. I think if they're doing a third season or whatever of their current show, which is all about having guest stars, 
then it would be in one of those. I'm kind of shocked that it hasn't already happened. Apparently, um, Cher is going to be in the next season of that show. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I think it's definitely going to end up being on a TV show before it's on a, on a movie, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, ne- last question. This is the actual last question. <laughs> uh, from Villain Core Crumpet at The Crumpet on Twitter. Uh, Crumpet spelled with an I-T, not an E-T. Very important distinction. Uh, what celebrity chef would be better than Bobby Flay? Literally anyone. Literally anyone. I didn't even know who Bobby Flay was. Well, he's like the 10th richest chef out there or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't know. Yeah, his, uh, based I, on net worth. His net worth is like $60 million. Gotcha. I feel like this the the movie that we watched today would have been greatly improved if the guest if like the guest chef was Gordon Ramsay. Instead of Bobby Flay. Mm. But I feel like then they would have to... He, I feel like he would have a hard time being chill around Scooby and Shaggy and all of the business they get up to. Yeah, that's mm. the thing about Gordon Ramsay, is that people don't actually, like, know... Like, they only see the, the angry Gordon Ramsay. Mm-hmm. And he, that would have been the joke. I As opposed I, to him being chill. I feel like he would have patience with everything except for Shaggy and Scooby. <laughs> I think he would have had patience with them up to a certain point. Yeah. Especially this Scooby and Shaggy. Yes. Which I did not have patience for. <laughs> I think Jada was probably a, a fine choice. I, so here's the thing, apparently, is that Jada and Bobby Flay are like very like close. Mm-hmm. As far as like working relationship goes, mm-hmm. uh, even down to like their some of their like early like appearances on stuff like Iron Chef and things like that, mm. um, and like even recently, I think after this movie came out, like the year afterwards, they started filming a show where just it was just Bobby Flay and Jada go around Italy eating food. <laughs> Wish that were me. Give me my own TV show. Send me to eat food around Europe. Yeah, I'll just walk everywhere and walk off all the calories. <laughs> Uh, and apparently, it, it's just, I'm just, I have the wiki page open mm-hmm. for, for Jada De Laurentiis. And apparently in 2014, De Laurentiis voiced the character of Gelada in the US version of the Tinkerbell special Pixie Hollow Bake Off. Interesting. Not surprised. Although I thought her thing was not cooking. I thought it, or I thought it was baking, not cook. Nope. Reverse that. I thought her thing was cooking and not baking. <laughs> that is true. I'm pretty sure. But, you know. Just to, to chum on and be a celebrity appearance in someone's children's cartoon show. Yeah, yeah sometimes it doesn't matter. It's like, oh, you do food, kitchen stuff. Here, t- go go be a voice actor of something mm-hmm. related to mm-hmm. do with any for- form of that. Yeah. Um, I think Rachel Ray would have even been better than Bobby Flay here. Yes. Honestly, you could pitch me on anybody like Mario Batali. Emerald Lagasse, any of any of those, mm-hmm. Chris Pratt, you know, any anyone. Um, no, not Chris Pratt. Um, <laughs> not Chris Pratt. Uh, barefoot, barefoot, barefoot Contessa. What's her name? I do not remember. The um, if you can't get it, if you can't get fancy, duper, super creative, then store bought is fine. She was a chef for presidents, and I just likes to go around drinking wine with cooking. <laughs> Which is valid. All I am seeing is just everybody referring to her as Barefoot Contessa. And, like, I look over here and it just says nickname, Barefoot Contessa. I am not seeing her actual name anywhere. 
<laughs> Ina Garten. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, but also, there were t- uh, two others, or at least one other celebrity chef and his wife mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. this movie. There were. Yeah, Marcus Samuelson is also a real celebrity chef. Yeah, I think he's been on Chopped a lot. Um, and then also, uh, his wife was also voicing herself in this movie. Mm-hmm. So those were the uh, those were the other two special celebrity guests mm-hmm. that I referred mm-hmm. to earlier. Yeah, I think I think that's it for everything before the actual show of talking about the movie, and we're already forty minutes in. Okay, <laughs> difficult. <laughs> I'll just have to blast through it. It'll be fine. Yeah, there's not much substance to this movie, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna talk, have a talk about Scooby Doo movie like design when we get to the end of this structure. I guess. Yeah, structure. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so this movie, uh, which is Scooby Doo and the Gourmet Ghost, for the folks at home, you you should have seen it in your podcast feed. <laughs> uh, it premiered at the San Diego Comic Con on July twenty second, twenty eighteen. Really, released digitally on August twenty eighth, twenty eighteen, and then on DVD on September eleventh, twenty eighteen. Huh, it's a weird release schedule. Yeah, I mean, it was around this time where it was a lot of things like, all right, we're going to release this movie digitally, and then like two weeks later, we'll put it out on DVD. Yeah, it was like pretty consistent for a while. It yeah, may still that... be consistent, but it's hard to tell. <laughs> yeah. Understandable. Uh, it was written by Doug Murphy and directed by Tim Sheridan, featuring the voice acting talents of... Yes. Frank Welker as Scooby-Doo and Fred Jones. Matthew Lillard as Shaggy Rogers. Mm-hmm. Gray Delisle Griffin as Daphne Blake and Rocky. Mm-hmm. Kate McCucci as Velma Dinkley. Mm-hmm. Bobby Flay as himself. <sighs> Giada De Laurentiis as herself, Marcus Samuelson as himself, Jim Cummings as Jeremiah Noseworthy, or Noseworthy, depending on which part of the movie you're in, mm-hmm. <laughs> and The Red Ghost, mm-hmm. Maya Hale as herself, David Kay as Henry Metcalf and che- Chef Edward Duflay, uh, Sally Safiotti as reporter and Nancy Metcalf. Dana Snyder as Skip Taylor. Jason Spisick as Bradley... Okay, so I'm going to talk about this character's name. Yeah. In this in this movie, consistently, when they are saying the character's name, they say Bradley Blass. He does. Yes. Yep. yep. I noticed that. On the Wikipedia and in the captions and in the credits of the movie, they all say Bradley Bass. Yes. Mm-hmm. I thought his name was Bless. <laughs> Is is very strange, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I think what it. I think something must have gone wrong, and the script had it as Bass, but they must have changed it at some point and just never changed the script. Because I've noticed is that a lot of times, captions and all the information stuff is based entirely off the script. Mm-hmm. That's what right, I suspect. Uh, last credit here is Audrey Was Wasilewski as a chef, Sue, and librarian. Uh, so I do have the physical DVD of this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and unfortunately, unlike Abracadabra Do or whichever one it was that had magic tricks on it, um, this one only has three bonus cartoons and some trailers. And by some trailers, I mean exactly two trailers. Mm. One of which is for another Scooby-Doo movie, which we'll be getting to soon. Yeah. Um, and the other one is for Lego DC superheroes, The Flash. Interesting. Huh. 
that's it. There's just three, uh, not totally random episodes of Scooby-Doo cartoons, but like yeah. three food-based episodes of three different Scooby-Doo cartoons. Okay, that's understandable. Including one episode of a pup named Scooby-Doo. Real quick, I want to mention that um, Dana Snyder, who played TV Skip Taylor, sounded familiar to me. And it turns out that it's because he is the voice of Scratch from The Ghost and Molly McGee. And I've I've, mm. seen, I've watched a lot of clips of ghosts of, of the ghost and Molly McGee. <laughs> hmm. very... David Kay sounded familiar to me, and yeah. the reason his voice sounds familiar is that he is the voice of Ford Kroller in Psychonauts in Psychonauts too. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> also, like a bunch of other stuff, but those are the two that I I recognized. Oh yeah, and also Jim Cummings because he also voices Tigger. Yeah. yeah, Jim Cummings is like and everything. <laughs> He's been in several Scooby Doo movies. Yes, he has. Including Zombie Island. God bless. Mm-hmm. Played that catfish guy. <laughs> or not the catfish guy, the uh, the boat guy. That that was the catfish guy, wasn't it? Oh, the, the, the other boat guy. There are two different boat guys. That's what confused me just now. Uh, all right. So we start the movie, and we are immediately in colonial America. Mm-hmm. And yep. there's Chef Edward Deflay, and everybody loves him. He has an inn that was established in 1921. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's uh, this is set in eight, in seventeen eighty. Uh yes, and also the sign features flags that didn't get made until after seventeen eighty. It's fine. It's just a cartoon. We don't need historical accuracy. <laughs> it's just we just- don't need regular accuracy later. I'll I'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> um. So he returns to the inn and starts c- mm-hmm. to cook when uh suddenly he's suddenly being watched. And the doors are broken down, and there's like a huge wind and everything. Mm-hmm. And then it appears that a red ghost is attacking him. Yes, because he's as this uh, as this creature is trying to attack him. He runs around, like rips the curtains and stuff, and then it he it zooms out on him as he's screaming, "Red ghost! Red ghost!" Yep, and, and the mm-hmm. and then a, a man dies. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that man Welcome is dead. To Scooby-Doo. Uh, and we get a very plain, boring title sequence. Honestly, I will say I thought it I was like fun. the title sequence. We I... had so many that are better. Is the problem? I'm getting like disillusioned on normal title sequences. I will say two things about this. Yes, I agree with you. It was very boring. However, I really liked it because it showed time passing in a way yeah. that I personally really appreciate. It could have been done a lot better. I think it I... could have been much shorter. I think if it was accompanied by, like, newspaper clips just, like, popping up of saying, like, all right, here's a date, here's a thing that happened with this house or related yeah. to this house. Some mm-hmm. kind of, like, historical article of, like, oh, no, this is what happened. Just to mm-hmm. kind of give us, the audience, uh, an additional amount of establishing what we- heck we just saw. Because at this point in time, we don't care. <laughs> Like, and, you know, you obviously can, like, end that, like, towards the end. It was, like, Bobby Flay to to repair and reopen Great Uncle's famous inn or whatever. Yeah. something. Give us yeah. something. I thought it was really cool. I, I only have, this is the one sample size that I have of a title, of a title credit from an animated Scooby-Doo film. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I thought, well, I'm going to send was... you a really good one. Oh, okay. yeah. But I, I do agree with you is that it's, it's got its charm. I liked it. Yeah. Personally. I, I thought also it was really cool. Found it boring, personally. It's like the uh, fortunately those two things can co- coexist. I like I like that about being able to say that. But yeah, I, I agree with you is that it's neat. 
I like it. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm sending you the one from Kiss Rock and Roll Mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I will have to watch it later. Yes, it's very funny. Um, so, so, okay. Uh, let's see. The gang oh. are all on the mystery machine, mm-hmm. and they are driving to Fred's uncle's inn that belonged to Deflay and had been abandoned since 1780. And they get there, the sign says Rocky Harbor Culinary Resort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where we meet Uncle Bobby, Bobby Flay. The bastard Bobby Flay. Mm-hmm. Fred just... had no idea that apparently this guy is famous. Just like me. I had no idea. Um, <laughs> and... uh, Scooby, or Bobby Flay describes food in detail and I make Scooby faint at yeah. some point. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to skip over some stuff because some of the stuff I just did not care yeah. about happening. Yeah. I will yeah. say I really liked this cut to this scene that Scooby fainted and that it immediately didn't have like a wipe or anything. It just cut straight to them like leaning over him. I was like, oh no, he fainted, and it was in a completely different setting. I liked that. It was a nice moment. I okay. I had a moment of like, wait, is there is this an animation error? Why is there wood above them? Why is yeah. there a wood ceiling above them when they yeah. were outside? Yeah. Suddenly they're inside now, and it's because Scooby fainted. And I just like I like that kind of trickery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now they are they are at the Rocky Harbor Inn. Um, and we get introduced to one of the other two animal sidekicks <laughs> in this film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, cause Bobby Flay is like, Oh, hey, I made these. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. You can't have this food. This is, this is nachos. And they're like, It's nachos? Oh, I like nachos. Like, no, no, I named my cat Nacho. That's true. He has a real cat named Nacho. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought they made up the cat for the film. <laughs> no. Um, real cat. Does not look like that. That cat is a, the world's fakest looking cat. Yeah. Yeah. It looks it, nothing it, like a creature of animals. It's so interesting because it looks like it's going to be the snobbiest of cats in existence. But it's actually a decent cat. Like, considering mm-hmm. what we've kind of, like, experienced in the past whenever a cat sidekick is introduced. Yeah. In some form or fashion into a Scooby-Doo film. This cat mm-hmm. is good. It's a good yeah. cat. Yeah, just not especially realistic as a cat. <laughs> um, yeah, the cat's good. The design, not no. not good. I'm not a fan of the design of the no. cat. And um, you can tell that uh, you can tell that Bobby Flay is rich because for his cat to eat, he has made garlic butter yada yada lobster tails, and I'm like, yeah, not just one, but three of them. Yeah. Yes, and like, it, uh, lobster isn't as expensive as like. You think it might be, but it is very time-consuming to cook, mm. and it's like I—I would—I am—I am sorry to my cat, but I will never make her lobster. <laughs> we do get some of Shaggy being very annoying about like asking for food, like demanding food. Yeah, which I'm like, oh no, Shaggy gets relegated as the asshole of the group. This this movie is you gotta yeah. have one asshole in the group. Because Apparently, like the the whole it's... the whole thing in in this throughout this film is that because Bobby Flay is a chef who is also a celebrity, they're like that means that we can ask you to cook us all of the fancy fancy dishes that we want to eat, and we expect that you're going to be able to make them for us as soon as we finish up the ghost business. Yeah. Oh, you're an artist. Draw me. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, do you want to draw my character for free? I'll pay you an exposure. Ugh. Okay. I'll, like, I'm going to take exception to that because this is Bobby Flay and he's 
got a net worth of $60 million and also is your friend's uncle. Yeah. <laughs> like, I agree. Shaggy, it gets very extreme, especially early on. Yeah, I will say, the, the he does feed them. Yeah. Yes. And he is, later on, he is very impressed with Shaggy and Scooby and how much they can eat. And how much they just know about food yeah. in general. Um, I will say, aside from this part of their characterization, there's some characterization of Shaggy and Scooby in this movie that I do really like, mm-hmm. and we'll get there. Uh, so they're in a part of the the resort that's designed to look like the original inn, because I'm pretty sure it's all just like the original stuff, but, you know, refurbished. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, yeah, Shaggy gets really adamant about eating beef wellington. Yeah. Um, Scooby just gets caught in a carpet somehow. Uh-huh. He it's does business. <laughs> as uh, as the gang learns all about their, their greatish uncle, Edward. Um, the, also, as they leave the room, the painting has cloving eyes that follow them. Yes, because this is not going to be followed up on. They find nope. out that Edward um, was, like, uh, disappeared under mysterious circumstances, and nobody ever, like, f- figure out what happened to him. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We do find out at this point in time that Nacho is a good cat and yes. helps Scooby out of the rug. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, it, that particular character design for this cat would have led you to believe that it would have been an asshole cat. No, mm-hmm. see, the thing, about, the thing about cats is that orange boy cats are sweet and dumb. Mm-hmm. So I've heard. <laughs> now, um, like, if that cat was, like, um... If it was like a gray and white cat, yeah, it would have it would have not happened like this. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, they head into I called it a studio. It's just an arena. It's- <laughs> they call it they call it an arena. It's like the culinary camp station. It's just like it's it's, like, it's literally TV just it, it it is it is in they call it they call it like a cooking arena, but it's pretty much just the set from Beat Bobby Flay, but in <laughs> Scooby Doo. And now coming with with Glados the chef. Yeah, I don't like the existence of this AI and how it, much it. Bobby Flay is an idiot. We'll get to some parts of this movie where I'm like, yes, Bobby, Bobby, stop being so dumb. Why do you keep turning this thing back on? Yeah, yes. but here's the thing: it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything good, and it doesn't do anything evil. It exists and does nothing important to the film. It's just there to make you realize, oh, this is a high-tech facility. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, a, it's a high-tech facility with mechanical arms that come down to help you by handing you tomatoes and and handing you eggs and turning the turning the rotisserie chicken for you and telling you the, the, temp- the internal of- temperature of the chicken that you're trying to cook. Yeah. That's a pretty good... That's a good feature. I like that feature. Yes, like... I would love it if my oven came with a with a with not a radio thermometer, but you know, like if my oven could tell me how cooked my meat was, that would be great. That would. I be mean, nice. it'd probably be pretty easy on like a rotisserie. I feel like you could probably get a fancy rotisserie that does that based on how a rotisserie works, but maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong. I think so. Rotisseries are like very specific. Yeah. For um, chicken. Yeah, we see a bunch of people here cooking, and there's robot arms, and there's some famous chefs here, such as Shada De Laurentiis. And that's yeah. pretty much the only one they name drop. Marcus Samuelson's also here. Yeah, but like he doesn't—he barely gets named. 
He's barely in this movie, which makes me wonder, why did you put a real-life man in this movie if he's only going to be here to be constantly told that you're not as good as Jada De Laurentiis? Yeah! Yeah! yeah. So, there's this what? moment here where Shaggy, you know, the established ass of the movie, apparently mm-hmm. met these two people at a book signing. And mm-hmm. gave them the other chef's book. Yeah, they were like, he's like, hey, uh, Marcus Samuelson, here's Jada's book. Can you uh, tell Jada to make it out to me? Yeah. Because of course, dip. of course, all celebrity chefs know each other, right? A lot of them do is the thing. Yes, yeah. a lot of them do, but like he shouldn't have assumed that. Yeah. yeah. Also, it's just a generally jerk thing to do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, I will say the only other thing that we can mention about this scene is that uh, we meet Bella, who is the other uh, animal sidekick. Who is yeah, more realistic. <laughs> yeah, much more yes, realistic. That looks like a cat. Looks like a cartoon yes. cat, as opposed to whatever is going on with Nacho. And yeah. we also meet uh, TV's Skip Taylor, who is kind of like the 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 schlubby chef who is there mostly to do comedy bits <laughs> yeah skip taylor is here to be a fake rip taylor that they make dress as elton john yeah anyways he's teaching people etiquette i guess i don't know what he's doing this honestly is, this i don't understand you, what he's doing this is how you spit out bad food into a napkin yeah. and he says and someone asks him like because like the whole thing with this arena that we i don't think we talked about is like they've like since this is now a culinary resort it's like you come here on your vacation to learn how to cook from Bobby Taylor. Or not Bobby, not Bobby Taylor. Um, from Bobby Flay. Bobby Flay Flay and his merry band of famous cooks. Yes, like, you come here to learn. And so, like, they're teaching the, they're teaching the guests, like, how to cook and stuff. One of them says, like, oh, is there any credence to not putting the fork on the left side of the dish and Taylor is like, yes, it sucks. Never do that. And Bobby Flay is like, not in my kitchen, you don't. And like, that is like an actual rule. It's like, usually you keep one fork. It's like this, it's like the salad and entree forks are on the left side. And then the dessert fork is usually up above the plate. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about etiquette of placing utensils. Most of what I know is from my time having worked at a catering company, so... Oh, neat. Mm. Yeah, pretty interesting experience. Food's great. Uh, <laughs> oh, good. That's the important part, really. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, so Skip is about to mention the Red Ghost, but Bobby stops him and then moves the gang on before he'll answer any questions about it. Mm-hmm. And so we cut to that night. There's a cookout. He's making ribs in a brick oven. Uh, apparently the gang will be participating in this camp as well, only eating what they themselves cook. And Bobby's going to warn them about their teacher, which is his sous chef. But he gets interrupted by the groundskeeper, Jeremiah Nosayworthy. Mm-hmm. He's grumpy because, like, what are you doing out here so late? Go back inside or whatever. There's a ghost. Although, and- granted, there's probably another reason why he's grumpy is apparently he got fired today. Yeah. yeah. Even though he had lived there his whole life in a cottage. Uh, and the Bobby's like, no, Bobby you can Flay. still live. You can still live here rent free. It's just I stop interrupting my work. Stop yes. sca- sca- scaring away the guests. Yeah, he he said uh, the the groundskeeper says something to the effect of like, oh, I can't get in the way of progress, and like me and my I- implying like me and my little historic cottage mean nothing in the face of 
the bastard Bobby Flay looking to expand his business enterprise. <laughs> That's true. But also the red ghost. Mm-hmm. He and leaves, the- he name drops the red ghost, and he's gone. Yeah. Uh, and the My gang's next- like, hey, what's about this ghost? Yeah. And he's like, oh, I haven't seen the red ghost since I opened up this resort. And my note here is, I hope that Bobby Flay is the villain of this piece. (laughs) Yeah, Bobby's like, oh, yeah, it's just legends and ghost stories and Shaggy. And this is like a part of the characterization that I like of Shaggy here. Because he's like, well, yeah, if there's one thing we understand, it's legends and ghost stories. They hit us with it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Then, you know, like, just like Shaggy and Scooby here are not being like, like overblown cowards or anything it's like very much like a yeah we're part of a team of mystery solvers i guess we gotta like know what we're doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um bobby gives them the history of edward disappearing in ni- er, 1780 people in town swear they heard him shout red ghosts and then he was never seen again this kiss passed down by superstitious people like no Sayworthy, and now that the resort is open people say they've seen it but bobby hasn't and then we see it lingering in the background mm-hmm and then it chases uh, Scooby and Shaggy up to their room. <laughs> oh, it doesn't chase them. They just get the vibes and leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they get hungry about being spooked, and then Sha- Scooby eats all of the leftovers, so they have to go find a kitchen to get more food. Mm-hmm. Um, the ghost is following them, and it's making a shushing noise, and it'll continue to make a shushing noise. Mm-hmm. throughout the movie and there's constantly gonna be bits about no i get it shush right yeah 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 that bit got real old real quick uh-huh uh the lights keep flickering also they get to the kitchen and they see nacho the cat making a sandwich nacho sees them and cuts his sandwich into three to share the sandwich mm-hmm good cat mm-hmm shaggy and scooby head to bed and the ghost is still just like around it doesn't Chilling. do anything it's just around yep uh, the next day, the ganger and Chef Elf is preparing for their breakfast class, and Bobby is prepping a live broadcast to promote the resort. Mm-hmm. The sous chef, Chef Sue, shows up with one of those fake exaggerated Eastern European accents. Yeah. I like, I like Chef Sue. She's fun. Chef Sue's fine, yeah. I would respect her as a teacher. Yeah. Better than the other Sue that I'm aware of from things that you've done. Yes. The bar is very low, though. <laughs> Sue Sylvester has set very low bar for, for other Sues to surpass. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so Shaggy and Scooby try to leave saying that Jada, who still hasn't spoken in this movie about 20 minutes in, uh, asked them to help teach a class on giant sandwich architecture. But then Sue throws a knife at them, and then we cut to Jada's class where she's like, listen, I swear the sandwich-making dog said he would be here. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, I liked that line. That's a good line. Uh, it's also just like a very good cutaway gag because it immediately cuts away after that too. Mm-hmm. Um, to the news, I guess, or like the the, the live broadcast or whatever. Yeah, they're doing to like introduce the place. They're doing the they're doing like a feature on like, hey, we're gonna have there's gonna be this broadcast by this famous celebrity chef, and is this the part where they interview the groundskeeper? Yeah, they interview yes. Nose Worthy, and he's yelling about Edward being a traitor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skip is trying to leave the resort because he cannot handle there being a ghost, let alone a red ghost. Red is not a color that he enjoys seeing. Um, of note is that he is ranting about this directly to Nacho. Yes. On the reception desk. And then eventually just talks himself back into staying. And thanks Nacho for talking him out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really rubber ducking it here with this cat. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this is when Bradley uh, Bass? We're just going to call him Bradley. Bradley yes. comes in uh, just to kind of like tell Bobby that he's sitting on a gold mine. But Bobby's like, mm, I don't really care. And gives him his room key and Bradley leaves. And apparently being very protective of his bag, which doesn't amount to anything, I don't think. Literally nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bradley also is like very like, as soon as he walks in, he starts measuring things and he's like wearing a business suit. He looks like a sleazy businessman. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like that classic uh, Scooby-Doo uh what is the word i'm looking for real estate agent yes mm-hmm. yeah uh daphne runs in and is like hey bobby you need to be in the arena pronto mm-hmm. and so we cut there and sue is very upset at shaggy and Scooby because they keep eating all of the ingredients they're just tasting <laughs> but no they're just eating the entire thing yes like mm-hmm. like a taste is one thing you know it's like you sample it not like this is so good that I have to eat the entire thing. Yeah. I have to eat all this parsley. Or at least only eat half of it. Yeah. Uh, Bobby breaks it up and sends Sue away. And as she's leaving, um, uh, we get introduced to another character. Yeah, there are so many characters in this movie. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so- this one's Henry Metcalf. He's the historian who wrote a book on Edward and... Duflay. He's Professor Colonel Sanders. <laughs> yeah, basically. I'm so happy somebody brought my book. Oh, you say you only got it from the library. Oh, man. Libraries I mean, mean libraries nothing to me, a history professor. Yeah. Libraries are good. Yes. He's he's upset about Noseworthy calling Edward a traitor. Um, and he learned that Edward was more than a chef. Uh, with info about why exactly he was a hero. But also, apparently he didn't. Yeah, we'll come back to that. <laughs> well, okay. I think the reason he thinks that Edward was a hero is because he had an inn that was open to both sides. Yeah. And invented takeout, I guess. Yeah. Because he doesn't know what's up with the parchment until later. Yeah. Yeah. Also, By the way, he gives Bobby Flay some parchment that has yeah. Edward's initials on it. But, okay. So when I said earlier that just actual details don't matter to this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Edward's initials, as they would be written... Would be EDF. However, I think there's the a parchment, very specific reason why that is the way it is. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, like, I know it's because like, like, the F is big in the middle, but it just says a- mm-hmm. EFD. And even then, uh, Velma reads it correctly, so it's just like, it's it, just written wrong. I think it's, it's deliberate, though. I feel like yes. that's an actual thing that used to be the thing. I don't know yes. if Velma would have known about it. That, I can confirm that that is still a thing. Um, yeah. Because, like, I have a set of towels that my aunt uh, monogrammed for me back in college, and it does go, like, your first name, uh, the initial goes on the left, middle, or in this case, I guess, like, the first part of your, or the first appending to your last name on the yeah, right. Yeah, that's another part and of last here, is, in is, the that, is that Du is not a middle name. It is Duflay. One yes. word. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The French of Flay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it's all dumb because, like, th- this parchment is going to crumble immediately. Like, yes! Just by being handled. I've like, watched it's- National Treasure. I know how this is supposed to be handled. Yeah, and they're just like, yeah, let's just bring it into this t- this definitely not temperature-controlled kitchen and handle it with our bare hands, even though it is clearly transparent enough that you can see the character's hands 
through it when they're, they're holding fully- a piece of the parchment. <laughs> yes. And also. Okay. Also, you know, hold on. I don't know what you're about to bring up, but I'm going to bring up the fact that why does he even give it to Bobby Flay? We see later that this parchment was just sitting in a display case with all this other stuff. And he's like, I took it out of the display case to give it to you, Bobby Flay. I was entrusted with this folder of parchment, so you now might. I'm giving it to you. I, I, I will say that when, when I was, as I was watching this movie in linear order, my thought had been like, oh, hey, in... In prepa- in like preparing the house to be to be habitable again and to be turned into the Bobby Flay arena, mm-hmm. um, like hey, he found these and he was working on preserving them and now they're ready and so he's giving them to Bobby Flay for as like a hey a good luck present. Like, no. Yeah, it makes sense in the moment, but then later when we learned that it was in a display case at the library long enough for there to be dust around the spot where they used to be. Yeah. It's Do you think that Bobby Flay goes to a library? Do you think he knew about that? <laughs> no, but like, what What was the purpose of, of Henry giving it to him? Uh, plot. Be- because Henry doesn't know what's on it. It's MacGuffin. He yeah. doesn't learn about it until everybody else does. Yeah. Look. Also, I wanted to mention- Do you know how much it, historians it, just choose to ignore? Yeah. <sighs> Especially old white male historians. <laughs> I will say, and this is really funny, I'm bringing it up now because it just made me lose my mind. Um, there's a moment later on in this movie where they hold these pieces of parchment that are like 300 years old uh-huh. over open flame. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Open flame. Uh-huh. I found it hysterical. I was screaming at the TVs like, what are you doing? Uh, so anyways, uh, Edward Duflay used to use this parchment to wrap up takeout because <laughs> he invented takeout or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Fred offers Henry and his wife a seat with him at the event tonight. Uh, and then the interview starts talking to Jada. Jada describes the resort. She's Bobby's- wearing her cat on her head as a hat. Yep. A cat is a hat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I noticed during this interview spot that, like, for the most part, Jada's face doesn't move. Oh, no. she has several moments of that, by the way, where she just kind of, like, freezes. Her expression just does not move. Uh-huh. I feel like that's, it must be deliberate. And she keeps looking like at the she camera. She is. She keeps looking straight into the camera. Yeah. If I am remembering her, her cooking show correctly from what I watched growing up, it is very much like a lot of, like, you know... That forced television smile constantly. Yeah. Yes. It was so. like, I, I noticed it a, several times and I kept thinking, uh. Mm-hmm. This is why Guy Fieri is better because even if he plays up his reaction for the camera, it's still a regular human reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, Bobby goes from in- welcoming people into the dressing room and the gang shows up to wish everybody good luck. And Samuelson says he's got a recipe that'll make Shaggy forget all about Jada. Which is only being said so that way Jada can show up and reveal that Bobby Flay has put his entire life savings into this place, I guess. Mm-hmm. Apparently. and Which this- is uh, impressive, I guess. Yeah. Every single one of his $10 million net worth is in this restaurant. <laughs> and real quick, I do want to call to attention the fact that there's a business bit where um, Nacho the cat is trying to style Chef Sue's hair in a way that looks good for the camera, but it completely resists modeling. And my note here was like, 
Was this role originally intended to, like, is this based on Anne Burrell? I am not familiar with who that is. Anne Burrell is another celebrity chef. You may have seen pictures of her because she has very, very light blonde, like, bleached hair that is in, like, spikes. Yes, okay, I pulled up a picture. This is very, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like she was supposed to be based on Anne Burrell, but absolutely not played like her whatsoever. Mm. Yeah, visually very similar from what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Or at least close enough for it to be like, yeah, this is like a basis. Like how Skip is close enough to where you would be like, yeah, that's, that's probably supposed to be Rip Taylor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let's see, where was I in my notes? Uh, life savings. Uh, yeah, I'm just, Okay. My notes are not laid out in a way that's easy for me to, like, stop in the middle of a paragraph and come back. I gotcha. That's what. Uh, Shaggy and Scooby tell a knock-knock joke, and then we cut to a food montage. This is not the first time in a Scooby-Doo movie where they've just had a knock-knock joke prepared. And I'm trying to remember if that movie was also written by one of these people. Yeah. I don't... Um, maybe? Let me look it up. That she does been... some... It would have been stage fright. You can go ahead and continue. Oh, okay. Um, during this food montage, it's a lot of, you know, like, all of the sh- all of the guests who are staying there are at the same time cooking with, um, like, they're, they're all cooking along. So the idea is, like, the viewers at home can follow along as they cook um, the food yes. themselves. And, um, and Jada does some kind of, like... Like a like a like a like a whip away blanket reveal over a cloche di- over like a dish with like a cloche on top of it. Yeah, and when it's one it's one like it's one cloche, but then when she takes it off, it's four separate individual tiny plates of food. And I'm like, okay, but like, Jada is not a magician. No, I don't know why this happened. <laughs> they had to have her. I feel like there was something in her contract of like I have to do X number of cool things. During the Scooby-Doo movie. That was, that would explain it because there are a lot of quote-unquote cool things that she does in this movie. But uh-huh. it feels like she stole from the gang. Like, contractually yeah, I- obligated coolness that took away from the gang's doing cool things. The thing about celebrity guests is that a lot of times it's like, alright, the celebrity guest is just going to do like a random really cool thing. And it's going to be entirely unrelated <laughs> to what they normally do. This happens a lot in the newest... No, John Cena does all of the things that John Cena normally does in the Scooby-Doo movies. He's yes, normally he's... just jumping in and suplexing boulders or yes. whatever. Yeah. Um, I will say, as I, I noticed is that, or I thought about it just now, is that the what Jada does would typically be like the beginning of a jealousy arc, but they never went there. No, yeah, there, there are moments of like, whereas like, there's probably something that was written here, but it got scrapped or something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, because- yeah. We haven't brought it up, but, like, this whole- during this whole film, there's, like, kind of, like, a byline of Fred is impressed by Jada and thinks she's pretty and Scooby and Shaggy are besotted with her for her cooking. And, like, there's some parts where, like, it's, like, Daphne is, like, jealous or telling him, like, telling Fred, like, no, don't be impressed by what she just did. And I'm, like, what? It, I will say, it is very downplayed, though. Like, yeah, yeah it only happens know. like twice. You would notice if it was an an actual jealousy arc because yes. it would be like in your face. In this case, oh, it does God. feel like yeah. it was all cut, and some scraps were left over. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I did look up to see if the the person I thought, like one of the writers from this movie or whatever, did the other movie that I was thinking of. No, absolutely no crossover. <laughs> huh. Um. So we get to a point where things start going wrong. Yep. Yes. Uh, the ghost shows up. Uh, all the animatronics start going haywire and shorting out very dangerously. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The ghost shows up and causes a whole bunch of chaos and everybody runs away. Uh, no, of note, Henry is here just on his phone after earlier saying that he doesn't know how to use his phone because it's mostly for his wife to call him. I thought it was a pager, honestly. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, it was shaped like a phone, but he treated it like a pager. And I think that was the joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, later during the scene, he's, like, on his phone, and his wife's like, pay attention! Yeah. <laughs> While there's, like, fire shooting up everywhere, and the ghost yeah. is here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Jada's cat runs away and will not be seen again for, like, another 45 minutes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ghost is shushing people, which is pointed out, so it must be important, is what I wrote down. Oh, but yeah, it gets pointed out so many times. Yeah. So many times. Uh, basically, everybody that's not a main character leaves. Yeah. yeah. There, there was one. Th- there was one part where it cut to like, it cut to this like setting of not setting. It cut to this group of like teenagers who were all like, they were designed in a way that made me feel like they were supposed to be main characters from some other kind of property. Oh, oh, I must have um, missed this. I missed those. Completely. Yeah. Oh, I got a screenshot of it. It was like there was someone in. It's like there were teens with a. Actually, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna drop yeah, this in the chat. It'll be easier for me than to trying to describe it. My initial thought was like, "Oh, these are supposed to be Gem and the Holograms characters," <laughs> but I don't think they are. But yeah, everyone, everyone as they leave, they almost stampede the poor valet. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I, then, I haven't seen the image that you've sent us yet, but uh, I know. Yeah. Speaking of just, like, random characters that look like protagonists, uh, back when we did, uh, what was it, Reluctant Werewolf, I think was the movie, there was, like, a a group of teens that looked extremely noticeable. Yeah. There you go, I just put the message in chat. Oh, interesting. Like, these characters look like main characters. These look like main characters from, like, a CW version of a magical girl show. Mm. I could see that. There's there's a there's a blonde with a sun amulet around her neck, a redhead with a star and a moon amulet. There's Two a guy dudes in the who look very love interesting. There's a guy in the there's a brunette guy in the background who just looks who just looks like um the character Kent from Pokemon World Tour United. <laughs> the 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 guy in like the far back on the right is mm-hmm. making me think of like a jughead type. Yeah. I could see that. But yeah, I'll have to do some deep diving later to see if this is supposed to mean anything. <laughs> I don't know what it would be. I'm trying to, like, it definitely does feel like it is something, and I just don't know what it would be. And yeah. nothing came up in the trivia when I looked up. So, like, you know, before every movie, I, just, I pull up some trivia to see if there's anything I, I should point out. And yeah. Literally nothing for this movie. Mm. Um. Anyways, so everybody's left except for... Uh, the main characters. Zelma gets mad at the mm-hmm. ghost, blasts it with a fire extinguisher, and then the ghost has disappeared. Heck yeah. Uh, the place is absolutely wrecked. Bobby's sad. Samuelson and his wife leave. Um, Bobby finally learns that the gang are paranormal investigators. Fred asks to look around for clues. 
Shaggy and Scooby talk about food. Bobby says they should mm-hmm. make omelets to clear their stress. And then Bobby just turns on <laughs> the stuff again after turning it off earlier and it just freaks out again. Yeah. And so this is just the beginning, because this happens like two more times where Bobby will just like turn on the machinery in order for, and just so it'll freak out again later. And I was like, Bobby, just stop turning it on. Just yeah. stop it. Yeah. You don't need it to cook, bud. Anyways, uh, the machine freaks out more. Jada does some action stunts to stop people from being hit with plates. Yeah, she she does this whole thing where like the where like the AI whose name is Rocky um, goes haywire and is like cleaning plates, but then decides to just throw them at at everyone. And then Jada Jada does she goes all Wonder Woman because and she like she like. She like protects everyone with like a with a with a cooking tray and frisbees it around and then keeps plates from hitting Shaggy and Scooby because she's been studying parkour, martial arts, ultimate frisbee, and paranormal investigation in her spare time. And oh, I'm, like, don't forget Olympic level disc throwing. And Olympic mm-hmm. level disc throwing. And I'm just like, this feels like a character trait that should have been given to. Th- this feels like it's Daphne's character trait. <laughs> There is an episode of, I want to say it was Scooby-Doo and Guess Who, which is the current running show, where the guest was Sherlock Holmes. Oh, God. Um, or at least what? someone who thought they were Sherlock Holmes. Um, that was the bit, is that no, everybody was like, you can't possibly be Sherlock Holmes. He's a fictional character. And he's like, well, I'm Sherlock Holmes. So, uh, and D- Daphne had a character trait in that episode where she just knew basically every language <laughs> and was fluent in it. Ah. Interesting. But yeah, it's like... This this feels like one of those moments of like contractual awesomeness that I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everybody splits into two teams uh, to find clues and also find Jada's cat. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a, a nacho snack, which is just a Dorito. It's just he's, this man feeds yes. his cat Doritos and lobster. That's terrible. Jeez. So the team of Shaggy, Scooby, Bobby, and Jada are walking around the inn. Lights start to flicker. Scooby and Shaggy are like, well, let's not go that way. And Jada's like, <laughs> no, we're going to go that way. So Shaggy and Scooby take out their flashlights that they just always have on them, which I think is another fun character trait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Bradley comes, or also Jada and Bobby are like, the things that we carry on us all the time are fennel and tongs. Both of which come back in a way that you would not expect. Mm. Yeah. I thought the tongs would become more useful more often. I thought it was going to mm-hmm. be like one of those trademark things. Where it was like, yeah, this is why you always have to have tongs with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no. Uh, Bradley comes to the front desk looking for Bobby, but skips here instead because he's just manning the front desk while everybody else is doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Skip tries to stop him from going into the absolute mess that is the arena and then disappears. Uh, Fred, Velma, and Daphne are out in the grounds and they run into Sue, who has a knife. Uh, yes. And she gets mad and grabs Fred to make him go answer phones because Skip has stopped answering the phones for some reason. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I feel like and I feel like she's out here, like, because she mentions, like, oh, she's making fish head stew. And I'm like, I hope she's out here, like, catching the fish herself. <laughs> that would be really funny. Just diving into the river with a knife that she has strapped to her leg. Yes. Yeah. Actually, no, she has a holster. She's a holster for the knife. No, like, no, nothing to protect the blade from cutting her. But like, no, of course not. No, her skin <laughs> the is not. Sh- yeah, the knife the is, is not sharp enough to cut, to cut her. her. <laughs> yeah. 
so Fred has to go answer phones and then Velma trips and is about to do the, oh, my glasses, my glasses, which is not a thing we see often in the movies. Oh, really? Um, not really. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much just a TV show only thing. Huh. Um, but Daphne grabs her glasses immediately and is also like, hey, I found this large electrical cable running from the inn to the groundskeeper's cottage. Let's go check that out. Also, have you considered LASIK? I'm still not a candidate for LASIK. Yeah. Um, which either means that her vision is so bad that it just is not able to be corrected by LASIK or or it's a fat joke no no I was gonna say or she's under 18 (laughs) or um her prescription could be changing constantly yeah I I looked up the the things that require like uh LASIK um like what uh, what you need to have to be a LASIK candidate and it mentioned nothing about weight just like mostly eye health stuff Mm -hmm. weird I, I mention that because um, one of my friends uh, currently works at an eye doctor, and a couple of times she has invited me to get LASIK with her guest discount, and I have said, no, thank you. I actually like wearing glasses. <laughs> but I know I have heard stories from her of people who were ineligible because of their weight. It might have been a thing with anesthesia, though. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, the kind that they use would be less effective on people above a certain weight. Which is- which is not great, but... I know the other things that I saw that I didn't think were applicable to Velma Dinkley were, um, during pregnancy because of hormonal changes. Mm -hmm. Um, if you have any medicines that, like, would slow your rate of healing. Mm -hmm. Um, and people who are, like, diabetic or have other similar, um, stuff- uh, mm-hmm. They have to have it under a manageable, like, certain, like, a manageable level in order to, mm-hmm. that it wouldn't affect anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so they all start tearing, or, sorry, they accidentally skipped ahead. Um, Shaggy and Scooby <laughs> and Bobby and Giada are in the library of the inn, not the public library, because there's two separate uh-huh. libraries in this movie. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Shaggy and Scooby are there, and they're like, well, we're in a library, so we gotta start tearing books off the shelves, because there's gonna be a secret door in here somewhere. <laughs> I mean, are they wrong? They're not no, they're wrong. they're not wrong. They're just wrong about how they were looking for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Fred says, heck. <laughs> yeah, Fred does not know where the heck Skip is. Um, and he makes a, a joke about celebrities not showing up to the things that they're supposed to, or whatever. <laughs> Um, and then he puts all the calls on hold and does not answer any of them because then Bradley shows up and is like, hey, you think Bobby would sell this place? I I don't know who Skip is. I definitely wasn't talking to him earlier. Anyways, I'm waiting for a very important package. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Daphne and Velma talk to No Sayworthy about how Edward was a British sympathizer, according to his personal papers, which they aren't allowed to see because Henry had the No Sayworthy family banned from the public library. Yeah. And although it's the kind of thing where it's implied that, like, um, they got banned for doing something. I thought it was like, I thought it was the implication that, like, that, like, the Noseworthy family has passed down the tales of Edward Duflay being a British sympathizer. And they were like, look, you are, we are concerned about you possibly destroying historical documents. You are not allowed to view these papers and artifacts. Yeah, something like that. It was either that or like they threatened to do it in the past or something. Oh, God. Um, but he's in the middle of packing up, ready to leave. 
And there's a junction uh-huh. box over here that supplies all the power to the inn because of it's of course an old it does. building. Yeah. And <laughs> they didn't during rewire all, anything. all of that construction using all of Bobby Flay's money. And they didn't rewire anything. Love it. Um, Seems typical. Yeah. So he tells them to find uh, the papers and also that they need to know why the ghost would be coming after Bobby Flay in the first uh-huh. place. Uh huh. Which, yeah, legitimate reason. A legitimate thing to think about. Uh-huh. They, they they never do, but... Well, they do, but we just don't see it because, you know, it has to be an end reveal thing. Always. Yeah. Um. So then uh, Bobby's phone starts glitching out while they're in the library. Nacho finds a trapdoor under a rug. Uh-huh. And there's a bunch of old storage down there and then also the ghost. Yes. Who's- surprise. Ghost comes out from trapdoor. Mm-hmm. Chases them through the halls. Uh-huh. Velma and Daphne are in the local public library, and they uh, they don't really know what they're looking for or why. Uh, the they're library just like, we need context. <laughs> yeah. They're talking, and the librarian's just like, shush. And they're like, oh, God, I thought that was the ghost for a second. Yeah. Because the ghost makes all that shushing noise. Keep that in mind, everyone. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a part where... Daphne is like, okay, Velma, I brought you literally every book that this library has on relevant topics, um, but I'm going to leave you to the reading. I'm going to go check out the exhibit of, or not the exhibit, like, it's a display, really, of, like, garments that that Edward Dufley would have worn, and they mention- the stuff of his stuff. Yes, yeah, his effects. And they mention a lemon juice bottle, at which point I was like, aha, I see where this is going. Uh (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, of course, of course. Honestly, I I was thinking that since they showed the parchment, I was like, there's no reason, there's no way this paper is not important. Well, yeah, it's just one of those things where it just really solidifies as, oh, they're not actually trying to hide it. Yeah. Yeah. They are instead just trying to throw as many possible red herrings as they can in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there is a nice match cut because then we get to match cut between the librarian who is shushing Velma and Daphne and the ghost who is hissing uh, as at, it chases uh, the Shaggy and Scooby in their group. <laughs> yeah, and they get, they get away from it for just a moment and then they start getting chased again and there's another match cut immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, Velma and Daphne then start a video call with Fred who's repairing everything and he's like, Hey, uh, let me know if you run into Shaggy or Scooby or Skip, because I haven't seen any of them. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh yeah, we'll head back now. And just as they say that, Shaggy and Scooby and all of them run back in. And they, they slam the door because the ghost was chasing them. But when the get- door gets opened again, it's just Skip. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we see Bobby making cookies. Yeah. And everybody's and- just like, hey, what's mm-hmm. going on? Yeah. And they're like, we have no idea. I'll say hey. What's going on? And Bobby turns all the tech hey, back on for no reason, and so it automatically freaks out again, and then Jada has to throw a Roomba. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's- Which... it's like a haunted- it's- it, it's a- <laughs> this poor Roomba, it gets like evil red laser eyes, and it tries to chase down Nacho the cat, completely ignoring- um, flower that Bobby Flay knocked off the counter by mistake. And yeah. so the only thing that Jada can do is to run over and use her gymnastics discus throwing skills to yeet it into the wall and it breaks. 
which does make me have to ask, hey, Bees, how's this doorstop doing? Um, good. Kind of like in a vacation mode at the moment because I got into the bad habit of uh, leaving things on the floor and then I turned, turned doorstop off. <laughs> mm, okay. Because I didn't want to pick those things up from the floor. Yeah. You know how it is. I do. I do. It'll come out of retirement soon. <laughs> and then we get the we get the reveal that um turns out that Bobby Flay did a whoopsie doodle and he just he used the parchment sheets an artifact of his ancestor's time as a chef to make chocolate chip cookies on top of but also hey since they were exposed to heat now there's writing on them yeah it's yeah. just like national treasure <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm like, oh, okay, so nothing about the cookie grease, nothing about that, oh, okay. Nothing about the chocolate, it's just, it's just the heat. And then they're like, oh, hey, there's writing, let's hold all of these pa- pieces of paper over open flame. I thought that was at the end. Is it at the end? That's at the end, yeah. Oh, okay, sorry, I, I misremembered. I feel like with this, in this case, like the residual heat from being baked is enough to show them the writing. And mm. Velma is able to read the old writing and it turns out that this, the, these parchments have, uh, it turns out that they have uh, notes about troop movements from- American troop movements. American troop movements, yes. And- they're just like, oh, this incriminates, uh, this incriminates Edward Deflay as a British spy, and I feel like there should have been like a set some. I feel like it would have been interesting if like the twist had been like, oh, there's a set on uh on British troop movements as well. Oh, double crossing. Mm-hmm. Double crossing yeah. in the name of communism, fitting for Bobby Flay's descendant <laughs> or ancestor. <laughs> Uh, but also, while they're talking about all this, the ghost sneaks in and just grabs some parchments and runs out, and then does trip on a rug as soon as he leaves the room. Yeah, yeah, so we do see him leaving, and it is significant because before we'd only seen the ghost like floating around and flying, but it, this ghost is running and has and has feet to trip with <laughs> and hands to grab with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skip is also missing suddenly again. Um, yeah. Scooby got too scared from seeing the ghost to actually say anything, and so he has to act out what happened. And then everybody sees that the ghost left footprints in the flower that was on the ground. The ghost clearly walked this time, not floated, and then we see the mm-hmm. ghost again tripping upstairs and dropping the parchment paper along to a chair. Mm-hmm. So Fred, Vilma, and Daphne all follow the ghost upstairs. Shaggy and Scooby head to the kitchen, and Jada and Bobby just are there with the parchment. <laughs> Well, they're there because apparently Fennel is a, like, we, it's, it's set up that, like, just as Shaggy and Scooby carry their flashlights with them anywhere, uh, Bobby Flay carries a set of tongs hidden in his chef's coat sleeve, and Jada just carries a container of Fennel, which apparently is supposed to help repel ghosts, and she just, like, sprinkles it on Bobby Flay. Like, this will help repair ghosts. Let's see. During medieval times, evil spirits were thought to roam freely as the sun turned southwards. Fennel, when hung over doorways, was thought to protect those from within from the spirits. Fennel seeds were inserted into keyholes. Or fennel seeds inserted into keyholes were thought to protect a dwelling from ghosts on any night, but particularly Midsummer's Eve. So yeah, real thing. Hmm. 
Um, so Fred, Velma, and Daphne follow the sound of shushing upstairs, and they find Skip, who's just suddenly here, asleep, in bed, with a sleep apnea machine. Yeah. Uh, Velma realizes that this entire time they've been chasing the ghost, the lights were fine, and also when we saw it, it did no shushing. Which isn't true! It shushed! When Scooby first saw it. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. It was just, they they only did did the bit once. (laughs) Uh, Bradley's here too now. And then Shaggy and Mm -hmm. Super are making sandwiches. The ghost is in the background outside. Uh, Everybody hears Shaggy and Scooby scream, and they run to go help. And the ghost is just smashing its face into the window. Yeah. Yeah. And then it leaves, and suddenly there's a banging at the door. And it's a drone delivery for Bradley. How- here's a question for you two. Um, How often is it that, like, Scooby- that, like, they switch to doing, like- Calling it CGI animation is not the most correct term, but like the 3D stuff. Yeah, the 3D stuff. How often do they do the 3D stuff? Because it doesn't like it doesn't gel as much as the more traditionally animated 2D uh, um, animation does. Usually, it'll either only be used for like the mystery machine if there's like a particularly intensive driving sequence or stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but even then, there's like a fifty-fifty chance that that would still get drawn over. And, like, okay. Like but okay. Usually, it's used for vehicles and machinery. Okay. Okay. Um. So he opens up the package, and it is a court order demanding that the inn is immediately closed because it's mm-hmm. been declared a historic landmark. Which, and, like, I feel like it should have been declared a historic landmark a very long time ago. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, Bradley tries to buy it off of Bobby to, I guess pay for the historic upkeep or something you would think i I don't know what his plan here is because he wants to have it but if if he's already got it declared a historic landmark it's not like he's going to be able to like turn it into a resort and make money off of it that way i feel like this is i feel like this is the kind of plot that would have had like oh hey i would like to buy the property rights from this from this uh place of yours because, oh, there's buried treasure hidden underneath it. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's just like a mystery. He just wants to buy it from him. Uh, and then there's a shushing and everybody sees the ghost and they chase after it into the hedge maze. And then immediately the tables mm-hmm. turn and they get chased by the ghost instead. Yeah. yeah, and we should note that Velma does not follow them into the hedge, to the hedge maze because she uh, vamooses to go check something else out. Yep, she runs to go see you know, Sayworthy and his place and... Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, she's like, hey, unlock that junction box. I need to do something real fast. And then they do a hallway chase in the hedge maze. They don't really do yeah. hallway chases that much these days either. It's mostly just other types of chase scenes. Mm-hmm. I think I think it was nice. It was a fun chase scene. Yeah. Uh, they keep running and then Scooby just runs through a wall almost off a cliff, but then gets stopped by Bobby Flay's tongs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saved the- by the tongs. Mm-hmm. The ghost corners them and then Jada's cat jumps on the ghost and Velma shows up just as the power's going out everywhere and reveals that the ghost was a drone the whole time. And my thought here is, okay, there's a series of thoughts that like some of them got answered, but not really. I was like, okay, so how was the drone turned off by the power being shut off in the main building? And they were, we'll get to that in a second, but the drone also has an electromagnet on it to disrupt electronics. How does that not set off itself? Um, which is my problem with any time they say, oh, yeah, this machine's got an electromagnet to stop electronics around it. And I'm like, it's an electronic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Plot armor. 
Um, yeah. And there's also an Literal air blower on it to make the cloak a little billowy. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was that the fans was from like like the blades on the drone were causing the wind. Something like that. Um, then she says that it had to be controlled over local Wi-Fi, which is incorrect. <laughs> That's not how drones work. <laughs> uh, and that she cut that off by cutting off the power, and shouldn't the drone still be on? If even if it didn't get signal, it would just stop moving. Yeah. Is that how drones? I don't know how drones. Like some I know some drones have a kill switch for once they get out of range. Your guess, your your guess is much better than mine, Cassidy. I don't know. I feel like this is another case of technology does not work like you think it does. Yeah. Um, which has happened a few times recently. Um, let's see. Jada points out that the drone shouldn't be able to leave footprints, and Fred's like, "Well, no. There's two ghosts, and I got a I got a trap plan." So we get a, a montage of people designing invitations and stuff. Um, yeah. And- They're basically setting up the previous, like, event that they just yeah, failed but at. a new one. And I'm uh, like, really? Really? But this time, uh, well, everyone's going to be dressed up real fancy, and we're going to have uh, TV Skip Taylor dress up as Elton John and pretend to be him. Yeah. By mostly just scatting while playing the piano mediocrely. Yeah. Um, the, honestly, the piano would have been fine. It's just then he started scatting over it, and I'm like, come on now. Yeah. yeah. Bad. Uh, the thing goes well enough. Food's going all right. And the gang starts to reveal the truth about Edward, and as soon as they do, the electronics start freaking out. Again, Bobby, why do you mm-hmm. keep turning on all the electronics? Yeah. Uh, and the ghost shows up to stop the news. This ghost is the one with feet. Uh, the gang then manually control the electronics to harass the ghost, which again, if they're being affected by electromagnets, then that's not going to work any better than if they weren't being controlled manually. Yeah. Um, they use this stuff to harass the ghost and trap it, and then it's time to unmask it. But before they do, Scooby's going to try to predict it. Uh, was it Noseworthy? No, he was helping us. Was it Sue? No, Sue was right over there. And also Uh, she says like, look at me, I'm innocent. And they're like, uh, yes, you are. Sorry to have ever considered you a suspect. Mm-hmm. And it, it can't be Skip, because again, Skip's over here. But Skip was definitely a suspect. Yeah. For a little bit, at least. Uh-huh. Considering how many times he disappeared, yeah. Uh, instead, it was... Bradley! Bradley! And also the gang reveals the news that, um, uh... Edward was the traitor, but also was he really a traitor? We'll get to that in a second. Mm. Uh, Bradley wanted the place, and also his name isn't Bradley, it's Henry, Henry Metcalf! Metcalf? We he finally get a double the- unmasking! Yeah, double unmasking. It's, Been it's a while. taken a while, yeah. Nice! When was the last one of those? I have no clue. It's uh, been a while. It was the last one of those Scoob. Maybe? Maybe. Technically, yeah. When it was Simon so. Cowell three different times? Yeah. No spoilers. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> that, that that part's not a spoiler of anything. <laughs> Simon Cowell does not uh, consider, it's not considered very, very important in that movie. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess maybe that was the last one we watched that did that. Might have been. Uh, but yeah, so Henry Metcalf, he spent his entire career on the story of Edward as a hero, um, but he stumbled on the truth somehow and did not want it to, like, you know, become public. Uh-huh. Um, 
but he didn't know about the papers having stuff on them until they he overheard them in the kitchen doing that. Which is so, just like, that's lazy historian work. And like, why... Then why did you take the paper out of the case? And how did you find out? If, if the whole, like, hey... I gave stuff to um, the the British for military movements. Wait. Wasn't actually a reveal anywhere else is, in history. Is the thing is is the question here? Like he he had to have known about he he knew about the whole thing with like with like Edward being like. Uh, as far as he knew, a traitor to the American cause, but he didn't think to cross-check with, like, the troop movements that were documented in the library. Yeah, because uh, Velma reveals a secret bonus saying that the troop movements that he gave them was fake and intended to trick the British. Mm-hmm. Go patriotism. Yeah. Uh, Henry is horrified that everything that he's been working for was for naught, both uh, mostly in in the realm of being evil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and so the next day, Bobby's like, hey, thanks for helping. Noseworthy's still leaving to join the hysterical society that Henry left. Mm-hmm. Henry, I presume, I don't know. Is, do you think Henry got arrested? Probably. Endangerment, if nothing else. Yeah, considering electric how much- fire. Uh, electric fire there was yeah yeah uh anyways uh they say goodbye the gang leaves and on the road shaggy asks why edward shouted red ghost and elma's like it was red coats he got murdered <laughs> um so he, absolutely got, he yeah. absolutely got murdered also skip is sleeping in the mystery machine for some reason the end yeah no no explanation given yeah so yeah, this was a movie, that's for sure. It sure was a movie. This was technically a movie. It had Certainly. all the parts that make a movie. It, it had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah, it did. So yeah, um, plot was bad. So yeah, I want to talk about the structure of a Scooby-Doo movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mind please. If I break this up? Okay. Absolutely. So I've been trying to determine what makes a good Scooby Doo movie and what makes a movie that's kind of just boring to watch because it's they try to make the the plot is equivalent to a twenty two mi- minute episode but stretched out over a, an hour and seventeen minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it is entirely about the structure because the structure has to fundamentally change in order to properly take advantage of that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think about some of our better movies, and they're movies that are broken up in ways that aren't just, all right, we get there, we learn about the mystery, we find clues, we solve the mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like Camp Scare, like Camp Scare is our number one movie, mm-hmm. and it took it consists of them going to a camp and just doing teenage camp things, uh, learning about there being a ghost, finding clues about the ghost. Solving that there there was a ghost, in fact, and then an, un- an action sequence involving a dam being drained, revealing a sunken city, and then there being, like, a whole bunch of stuff happening there. Wow. Or, oh, yeah. like, um, Witch's Ghost, you know, has a shorter final act, but there's the transition from being a Scooby-Doo, mo- like, episode into there's some spooky stuff happening here. Yeah. Um, Goblin King has a full hero story in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then like I would I would say like Goblin King is the least Scooby Doo movie of our top five. 
Yeah. But it's just a real good movie. Yeah. yeah. And I quote, I put quotation marks uh, in uh, for Scooby Doo movie. Yeah. I realize it's like, wait a second, I didn't actually verbalize that. All right. Um. So, well, I guess I feel like we said a lot of what we needed to say about this movie. But does anyone have any final thoughts they need to air? Um, Not really. I think that you know, I think this movie was okay. I would definitely rather watch like. Like, I think I would probably enjoy watching stuff from y'all's top five. Mm-hmm. But also, I was like... It, I, I would I feel like genuinely me, recommend any movie that's in the top half of our list. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like this is part of, like... Excuse me. Part of how I feel like Scooby-Doo has changed from, like, my other previous experience with it, which has been um, watching the live-action movies... Mm-hmm. And uh, the se- the series that I watched when I was growing up is like, now it's like, in order to be, I mean, I really hope it's not something as like, not something as capitalistic as like, we need, we need guest spots from these celebrities in order to bring in enough revenue to support our productions. I hope <laughs> it's more along the, of like, along the lines of like, we need to stay relevant. So we're going to have celebrities featured in this. But it kind of feels like Scooby-Doo has sold out a little bit, and, I, and I'm sad for that. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. The celebrity stuff doesn't happen actually all that often. Um, huh? Okay. Like, there, there's been, like, a, a, I would say within the past five years, or oh, let's, let's up that to how long How long ago was 2016? Uh, five uh, years, yeah. Depending on what uh, part of 2016. <laughs> so, like... Since then, like, with the exception of, like, I think WrestleMania Mystery came out a little bit before that. That's when, like, all of the real crossover movies have happened. And even then, that's, like, less than half of them. Um, yeah, we had WrestleMania Mystery in 2014. Yeah. We had Kiss Rock and Roll Mystery in 2015. And then we had Curse of the Speed Demon in 2016. Um, but then there wasn't anything until, like, 2018. There's a crossover movie with Batman uh this movie also in 2018 um there wasn't any like special guest stuff in 13th ghost elvira was technically in return to zombie island but it was a very bit part yeah um and then happy halloween scooby-doo that one um had a bunch of guest stars in it and that was in 2020 yeah and the thing is is that Having guest stars does not make a bad Scooby-Doo movie. For example, yeah. Kiss Rock and Roll Mystery is our number six. Nice. It's a, it's a really good movie, but it's that's because fun. it's... It, it, okay, Kiss Rock and Roll Mystery is another one of those that is like, it breaks the, the structure a lot. Mm-hmm. Because there's yeah. the first half, which is solving a Scooby-Doo mystery. And then there's the second half where they go to space. It's what? fun. It's fun. That's the thing about it. It's just like, it was just a delight to watch. Uh, okay, Christina, I'm going to say a, a small spoilers, but I think this would intrigue you a lot to make you maybe want to watch it a bit more. Uh, when I say they go to space, I mean the band Kiss performs magical girl transformations and then play a magical song that turns their giant Ferris wheel into a portal into space that then takes them to their home planet of Kisteria. Oh my god. It's so good. <laughs> it's 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 good. It's funny. And it's like it's I love Mountain Dew, it's so funny. 
(laughs) (laughs) It's along the lines, obviously it's a lot more extreme, but this movie had a similar example of this celebrity guest is doing cool things constantly throughout the movie. And not to say that that was like a bad thing. It was noticeable to us because it, Almost was a jealousy arc, but not quite. So it was kind of like, uh... I think the problem is that the cool things that the celebrities could do didn't even impact the structure or plot of the movie at all. Yeah. So they were just kind of there. It was shoehorned in for no real point. Yeah. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, the wrestling movies that exist, well, you shoehorn the fact in that everybody's wrestling, and over to the top personalities <laughs> that come along with that, and suddenly that's changing the whole game. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You bring in Elvira and like uh, Bill Nye to do science stuff and be spooky. Yeah, in a movie that's about being spooky on Halloween or whatever. Mm-hmm. It just it fits the vibe at the very least. Uh huh. I didn't realize we had like such strong opinions <laughs> on the Scooby Doo <laughs> franchise. Oh, uh, it's not like we have like how many uh, movies in our belt? Forty four. Forty four movies on here. To be fair, two of those aren't necessarily, quote, Scooby-Doo movies. Ah, uh, yeah, I mean, technically not. Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog wasn't really, but I will argue that, uh... uh Pokemon Detective Pikachu was? Pokemon Detective Pikachu was absolutely a Scooby-Doo movie. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so we should start putting this on the list then. Um, how do you think this compares to Big Top Scooby-Doo? Big Top Scooby-Doo is a movie where they are at a circus, and they... they partially work for the circus for this uh essentially the thing that happens is is there's werewolves involved and like everybody was kid everybody in the circus was kidnapped and replaced by monkeys and werewolf suits worse (laughs) just based on the pitch i feel like this movie sounds worse than uh than werewolf than than werewolves at the circus with monkeys and there's another thing is that one also breaks the format because at the end they're like wait a minute this guy couldn't have been working alone. Who could it have been? Oh no, they're getting away. Now we have to do a train action sequence where we're yeah. running along the top of a train. Yeah, we, oh, that, we got that sounds unmasking. much more awesome than this. <laughs> we got an unmasking with like 20 minutes left in the movie. Oh, wow. It was like, wait, but there's still like 20 minutes left in the movie. What's about to happen? So yeah, this movie was worse. All right, um... Christina, have you seen the movie Scooby-Doo Alien Invaders? Maybe. One of the first four direct-to-DVD movies. Very, very long time ago. It was along the same lines as Cyber Chase. I know I definitely saw Cyber Chase. Yeah, I think my brother in- had, the, had the video game of Cyber Chase. Mm. Oh, nice. This was the one that came out right after that, and it's basically they're in like the New Mexico desert, and there's aliens but also there's people who work at like a nasa facility who are pretending to be aliens to scare the locals and to get access to a gold mine i i am i am fairly confident that i did see this when i was growing up but i have not seen it since then (laughs) all right well do we do think this movie is better or worse than that movie (laughs) i'm leaning Hmm. towards worse i am leaning towards worse this has been our first like really bad movie in a while honestly i feel like it's not going to be any more worse I, like I think it I could make a case for like being worse than two more of these. Okay. Um so I'm gonna jump down to the lower of the two and see how you feel about it being worse than Curse of the Lake Monster. This is the final 
prequel or sorry not not necessarily the final because Daphne and Velma came out after this but um it was the second of the prequel direct-to-DVD movies that were live action this is the one where uh Velma gets turned into a frog witch or whatever oh (laughs) Shaggy is kind of just like a a jerk because of teen hormones oh god I'm pulling up the curse of the lake monster and just like who, these actors those actors so those actors were really good in the movie that they did before this the the, yeah. the other live action prequel yeah. i liked that one a lot yeah the guy who um, played shaggy did a really good job in that one but does a much worse job in the second one i'm gonna say robbie amell yeah Haley kiyoko uh-huh here's my suggestion i think G- gourmet ghost is better if only because Shaggy being a jerk in this movie stopped. Yeah, and he wasn't being a jerk to Velma because of hormone reasons. He was just being an entitled customer. And that eventually stopped. Alright, then can we both agree that it's worse than WWE Curse of the Speed Demon, the movie where WWE tried to do a wacky races? Yes, agreed. Okay. So this is Gourmet Ghost. (sighs) Yeah, it's been a little while since we got stuff in the lower end, I think. Alright, um, so I'm going to start reading off the list here from the bottom to the top. Here we go. Starting with the very worst Scooby-Doo movie. Monster of Mexico. Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf. Scooby-Doo meets the Boo Brothers. Return to Zombie Island. Scooby Goes Hollywood. Scooby-Doo and Arabian Nights. Samurai Sword. Franken-Creepy. Curse of the Lake Monster. Gourmet Ghost. WWE Curse of the Speed Demon, Alien Invaders, Loch Ness Monster, Legend of the Vampire, Aloha Scooby-Doo, WrestleMania Mystery, Zombie Island, Music of the Vampire, Scooby-Doo 2002, Mask of the Blue Falcon, Lego Scooby-Doo Blowout Beach Bash, Pirates Ahoy, Lego Scooby-Doo Haunted Hollywood, Big Top, Curse of the 13th Ghost, Stage Fright, Scoob, Moon Monster Madness, Ghoul School, Sonic the Hedgehog 2020, Scooby-Doo The Mystery Begins, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Cyber Chase, Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed, Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo, Legend of the Phantasaur, Shaggy's Showdown, Abracadabra-Doo, Daphne and Velma, Kiss, Rock and Roll Mystery. Where's My Mummy? Chill Out, Scooby-Doo. Goblin King, Witch's Ghost, and Camp Scare. Honestly, those those first, like, six are real good. Especially, like, Where's My Mummy? Highly recommend that one. That one's a fun one. Yeah, that one actually breaks the structure in a way different from the others in that they have, like, a second side plot that's happening for half the movie. Oh, cool. It's a, it's, a, it's a good one, especially if you want to just break the tradition of traditional Scooby-Doo stuff of, like, who was mm-hmm. the villain all along. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah. All right. I guess that means it's time for plugs. Christina, please plug your stuff. So, uh, the primary place where I can be found on the internet is on my Twitter, which is at CWoodsArt. Uh, I also can be heard on a couple of podcasts. Uh, currently airing are The Home for Raven OCs, which is my podcast where 
Uh, Guest and I talk about our original characters, the good, the bad, and the self-inserts. Uh, Cassidy's been on the show. Uh, uh Bees, I don't think you've been on the show yet, but you're welcome not. if you ever want to come on. I appreciate the invite. Um, the other uh, currently airing podcast that I have is uh, Loser Like Me with with our friend uh, and former guest of this show, Tanner, um, where we are for, for some... <laughs> Not for some, um, where because because we have taken this duty upon ourselves, uh, Tanner and I are rewatching, recapping, and uh, picking Glee to pieces because um, <laughs> there's some stuff that holds up and there's a lot of stuff that doesn't. But we're gonna get through it. Um, I also have another podcast called uh, Faithful. Um, which is about faith in religion and media and pop culture and stuff. Um, we are currently on hiatus, um, but we have some backlog if anyone is interested in listening to that. And I think that's it. I don't have a Patreon or anything. <laughs> Alright, and would you like to plug something that you have nothing to do with? Um, hmm. Actually, one sec. Let me pull up. I'm going to promo... Uh, something that I, I'm going to promo something that, uh, I actually don't have experience in listening to, but I think it sounds really cool. Um, there's a podcast, uh, called the Res Hockey Podcast, which is about, uh, indigenous hockey players, uh, on their teams and stuff and how they're doing. Interesting. Oh, that's cool. Since we are in hockey season in the Northern Hemisphere. (laughs) And also, we're recording this in November, which is Indigenous Peoples Month. Oh, yeah. Yee. Oh, God, I just saw the number of where we're at with our percentage complete. Yeah, I just, I, I completed it. Or I think I, I think I entered it in. We're at 91.4%. Oh my gosh, you're so close. <laughs> uh, no, bees, we're at 93.6%. Oh, God. Uh, anyways... <laughs> Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at Kids and Their Dog. Uh, we have a Discord if you want it, and just let me know, and I'll send you an invite or whatever. Just you can even just add us on Twitter, whatever. However, it takes you to get a hold of us if you want in. Yeah, um, bees. You can find me on Twitter at Lava Bees, L A V A B E E S. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Mandelbotanist, M-A-D-L-O-B-O-T-A-N-I-S-T, and you can find my website that has all my podcasts and stuff that I've guessed it on at Mandelbotanist.neocities.org, which is the same as my Twitter handle, neocities.org. Right. Yep. You say that faster than Tanner says their outro. <laughs> yeah, I've, um, I'm, I'm getting it down to, sometimes I absolutely slip up and just completely ruin the thing that I say, but I, I've, I've gotten a <laughs> bit of practice. Nice. But yeah, I, for some reason, I want to talk about how bees and I beat Minecraft recently, but I feel like oh, there's nice. nothing to say other than that we beat Minecraft. Great. Yeah, it was fun. I brought my entire experience of watching a lot of speedrunners. Yeah. And it still took us, what, 12 hours total? Maybe yeah. Longer? I only cheated twice. Yeah. But it was, it was cheating in which it would have just it, taken time. Yeah. It, both of those were just me teleporting to your location. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then after we beat the game, I cheated to give us, like, stuff to upgrade things so we could mess around. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, nice. that's it for the show. We'll see you next month with no guest because it is holiday times and that's hard to try to schedule. But, mm-hmm. oh my god, 
bees, it's finally time for the most, we're not the most recent anymore. Because the most recent one now is the, the Courage the Cowardly Dog one. Yeah. Um, But it's time for Sword and the Scoob. Yeah! Ooh! I'm excited. I, I'm excited. I, the, the one trailer I watched for that actually got me really excited for that. Here's I hoping. I hope it's good. <laughs> Here's hoping. I hope King Arthur is not a terrible character to have to deal with. <laughs> Uh, here's hoping. Um, but we'll do that all next time. Uh, but until next time, they would have gotten away with it too. If it weren't, if it weren't for, for us meddling, meddling kids. kids.